have the privilege um, to introduce our installation commission, and I'm going to uh, call them up now and introduce you all to Nadia Stropich, who is our chair of the installation commission. So come on up, Nadia. Let's welcome her, please. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be here today um, on behalf of the installation commission. Um, we are just so thankful, and this is a day to celebrate. I get to have the pleasure of giving you all the charge as KPC. Dear ones, I want you to know a little bit about the pastor that you are about to receive in as your own for this next chapter in God's preferred future. Some of you may know that he has um, written uh, one book that's uh, almost ready to be published uh, about women in ministry, another one that he wrote called Reformed by Power. And in it, Tom wrote this. He said, it is my desire for the church to return to a faith based on the Bible and on the power of God, demonstrated by the manifestations of his spirit. I love God and I love his work. Brothers and sisters, let me speak plainly to you. You are going to receive one of the best the presbytery has to offer. But this is the reason why he is one of the best. And I've had a privilege to work with him on the presbytery committees of the ministerial committee and things like that. But he doesn't just write this stuff, he actually believes it and he lives it out. So I want you to know who you are receiving because you have a place in the ministry as well. You see, my commission to you is the same that another pastor gave to a church that he was part of. His name was Paul, and he wrote a letter to one of the churches that he helped plant, the church in Ephesus. And in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14, he says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God, Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullest measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory and the church and Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. This is my prayer and my charge for Kempsville Presbyterian Church as you move into this new chapter of God's preferred future for you. It's a big prayer with big blessings to know the riches of God's power through the Spirit so that you can be rooted and established in love 
grasping how high and wide and deep and long is the breadth of God's love. Our brothers in faith have shared as the Lord has spoken to them about how long the Lord has loved us and the depths of the gifts that he is ready to pour out upon this church. But in order for this to happen, the church needs to be the church. You see, Tom is a wise and godly man. He will lead you well. I would even say at times you might even break into laughter with him as well. Because he can be kind of funny sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> but the truth is, is that as godly and as wise and as wonderful as he is, ministry was never meant to be done alone. It was meant to be done with one another. And so I charge you three things in order to, for this church, for Kempsville to see the depth and the width and the height and the length of God's love. And it begins first with studying God's word with the spirit. Brothers and sisters, God loves each of you so very much. And he wants you to thrive with his power so that not just here in the Virginia Beach area would know the Lord, not just so the state of Virginia would know the Lord, but so that the entire world, based on what is happening here, would know the power and the strength of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be in study with the Holy Spirit. The word testifies to the calling of the church, and it begins with that great commission where we're to go out teaching, discipling, preaching, and baptizing in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. And let me be honest with you as a sister in Christ. Tom cannot do this all alone. He needs you to partner with him, to be part of going out. The church is a great base, but it is not a silo. This is how you will know by beginning and teaching yourself. Tom will teach you and feed you from the pulpit, but you also need to be teaching and feeding yourself as well on the word of God because you're going to have opportunities to serve with Tom. As he invited those in presbytery to join him in ministry, he invited the congregation of Kempsville Presbyterian as well. When he asks if you'll come along with him for a visitation, if you'll come along with him as he goes out and he talks to new believers or those who may not know the Lord, take him up on the invitation because I know enough about Tom to know that if he asks, it's because he's already been told by the Lord, go pick them. You are to be part of the ministry. You are to be part of spreading the love of Christ. You are to be part of how the Holy Spirit is going to use Kempsville Presbyterian to unleash those cargo boxes into the world. So the third thing I want you to do, that I charge you to do, is to love Tom and Diana and their family as you love yourself. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They are Holy Spirit-filled. 
They are wonderful. They minister as a family when they are together. I have been blessed by not just Tom, but by Diana and Anna. And although I don't know Andrew that well, I'm sure I would have been blessed by him and Megan. Love them as your own. Invite them into your lives. Because I will tell you, as great as Tom is and as spiritually gifted as he is, he's not a mind reader. So you're going to have to tell him when things are happening in your life. He's not going to know you're going to surgery unless you tell him. But if he's part of your life, he's going to know that. If, ladies, you need a woman to pray with, Diana needs to know that. She's not going to know it on her own. Invite them in. Love them as you love one another. Because if you do these things, then you will have an experience where the Holy Spirit of God is with you and you will see the manifestations of his power. You will be the church where the word of God is preached and where the spirit is felt. I know that this is possible because I have felt it today. And I have seen it. And I know from working with the pastor nominating committee that this is God's choice for your future. You will enjoy unity with one another through the love of Jesus Christ. And the Lord will dwell deeply within your heart. And you will be filled to the fullest measure according to his spirit. So now, congregation of Kempsville Presbyterian Church, hear your commissioning. Hear the words of Paul. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray out of the riches, his glorious riches, that he will strengthen you with power through the spirit of his inmost being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, with, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and high is the love of God. And to know this love surpasses this knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite Phil Thrash up to give the commissioning to Tom. Well, I was just listening and enjoying the service, and uh, I'm going to try to hold it together. Because we're so glad you're here, Tom. I guess not. Just this morning... Lord just kind of kept unraveling, and that's usually how he does it, you know, what I was going to say to you and what I was going to say to the congregation, but uh, almost everybody knows what a Saturn V rocket is, Apollo project sitting on the launching pad, the rocket that went to the moon, and it's 
it's and it had KPC on it. That was the last one that I got. And the Lord has given us gifts. Brother Terry was uh, Terry was down here uh, talking to us about releasing your gifts that are already inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and so we have to release it, right? And we're going to do that together, just as our sister Nadia was talking about. We're going to do that together. And when we need to rely on each other, then we're going to rely on each other, okay? Because Tom and Diana and their family are going to need us to pray for them as well. It's not just one way, it's both ways. Um, I believe that this is a new season that is ordained. I have felt this in my heart, and I'm sure others of you have felt that here as well. Uh, the Lord has put everybody here with the giftings that he has decided to give us. We all have different gifts. None of us have the same gifts. And it's just really exciting to, to, uh, to see what he's going to do. And we're really happy that you and Diane are here. As a charge, I'd like to read nothing that you're not unfamiliar with, being the chair of the ministerial committee. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, and also 7. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, so that you can say with Paul, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I'd also like to read to you uh, Ephesians 1, 15 uh, through 20, and then I'll explain. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I pray for you this wisdom and revelation and also understanding and discernment as you carry out the call that the Lord has given you. Uh, for this season of the church here at KPC. And those of us here at KPC will stand behind you and Diana and pray for and work with you. Amen, and God bless you and Diana. Now comes the official part. Reverend Tom Pittman, would you please join me up here? There are certain questions that on the behalf of the Presbytery of the coastal mid-Atlantic, I have an opportunity to ask Tom and then 
to ask the congregation. Tom, do you now reaffirm your vows you took on your ordination, and do you recommit yourself to them in discharge of your obligations? I do. Will you seek to be a faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and as a teaching elder, whether personal or interpersonal, private or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before the congregation of which God is making you an overseer? I will. Are you now willing to accept the call that Kempsville Presbyterian Church as your pastor and to rely upon God for the strength promised to discharge it to the duties required of this office? I do. Kempsville Presbyterian, you as well have questions. Are you the members of this congregation ready to receive Tom Pittman as your pastor? Do you promise to submit to him in matters of spiritual discipline and to receive with humility and love the word of truth? Yes. Do you promise to support Tom with your prayers, to give encouragement and assistance in every way as Tom seeks to instruct you in the things of the Lord and to lead you in the building of the kingdom of God in this place? Do you commit yourselves to fulfill the terms of the call which you have extended and to make provision for Tom's needs that the name of Christ may be glorified? Yes. Wonderful. I would invite the commission to come forward as we pray for Tom. This is a joy as we install him as pastor of Kempsville Presbyterian Church. Although he is already ordained, we do ask that as the Spirit leads you, that you would raise your hand out as though you were placing a hand on Tom as commitment and love as his new congregation. Would you pray with us? Father God, we know that your will is to be done here on earth so that we may reflect your glory in heaven. We ask that you would be with our brother Tom as he steps into the calling as the senior pastor at Kempsville Presbyterian Church, that your Holy Spirit would move mightily through him, giving him words of wisdom and knowledge and the vision that you have for this church so that as he teaches and as he leads and as he counsels lord that it would not be with his will being done but your will alone and father we ask that as he leads that he would feel and know the height the width the depth and the length of your love so that this congregation would as well that his congregation would wrap around him and Diana, and that this would not be a ministry of one, but a ministry of many, so that the audience of one, which is you, Father God, would be pleased and glorified. Father, for such a time as this that you have called Tom. Amen. Amen.
Congratulations, Kempsville Presbyterian Church. You have a new senior pastor. Thank you. One bit of business before we get into the sermon. Just so you all know, I have about 10% hearing in my left ear, and I've got good hearing in my right ear. So if we're ever like at a reception and you're talking to me and I turn my ear, it's not because there's something really interesting over there. It's because I'm focusing on what you're saying. If you come over to my left side and talk to me really quietly, I'll probably have to say, what? (laughs) And then I'll say, talk on this side. So Getting ready for this sermon, I was able to look up some great quotes on humility. Uh, Try these quotes out. First one, I just found out pride is one of the seven sins. Good thing I'm so amazingly humble. (laughs) Next one is, my favorite thing about myself is that I'm humble. These are just getting better, aren't they? My New Year resolution is to be more humble, which should be easy as I'm already good at it. (laughs) With that, would you pray with me? And we're going to go into the Word and then into the sermon. Father God, would you please minister to our hearts as we get into this sermon? Will you open up the Scriptures before us, teach us, encourage us, build us up? We love you, God. Lord Jesus Christ, you are our King, and we follow you. Now, by the power of your Spirit, speak to us, please. Amen. The scripture today is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So as we look at the meaning of what's going on here in this passage, in verse 5, let me jump to where it says, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Submission is not obedience. It's the act of yielding. It's letting somebody else go first. For all of you that have ever been on the road and there's a yield sign, you know you have to let the traffic go. Or it can be something that you allow, such as if you're in a long line of cars and there's a parking lot to your right and a car comes up and it wants into traffic and you know there's cars behind you, you get to make a choice at that point. Am I going to let this person in? You don't have to. Police officer won't give you a ticket if you just let them stay in the parking lot and you stay in the line. But as an act of kindness, depending on how long they've been sitting there, you might give them the come on in sign, right? That, that is a yielding. That is yielding to let them go first. And that's what this passage is getting at. Isn't it interesting? It says, all of you be submissive to one another. So the Spirit of God wants us all in the church to be submissive to each other, to give a a heart of yielding to each other. Let somebody else go first. Let somebody else, if you see God lifting someone up or they're, they're doing great in ministry, encourage them, right? Rather than sit there and say, why isn't God using me? I wish I could do that. Well, it's fine to talk to God about that, 
But to get to this stage of submission comes the second part. The submissive heart is be clothed with humility. The passage, depending on your version, may say clothed or girded. In other words, put on humility and wear it. You know, when you see a person, what's one of the first things you notice about someone when you're first walking down the street or enter into a meeting? What they're wearing, right? And there are people for whom we know what their occupation is depending on what they're wearing. Many times in hospitals, white coats mean doctors. Maybe it's scrubs, right? If a police officer enters the room, unless they're a detective, but if they come and a police, you know what they do for an occupation. You can just see it. So, same thing is what God wants for us. We have to wear humility, is what the Scriptures are telling us. You have to put it on. You have to wear it. You have to gird it on. That, it's something probably we have to add that to our morning time with God and say, God, would you teach me how to put this on and how to wear it? We, we aren't all that good at it, but it also has to go inside. It shouldn't just be something on the outside. It should go deep into the heart. Let me describe being humble. You, and this is based on Scripture. You think of others as better than yourself. You think of others as better than yourself. You put others before you. You say yes to God. And not just on the things you like to hear him say. There's plenty of conversations that God can have with us and we go, I'm not sure I really like this God. I mean, you can think about this. Think about all the scriptures you read. Every once in a while, you can come across a scripture where you go, I'm not sure I really like that verse. If we could take that out of the Bible, maybe the Bible would be better because I'm not comfortable with that God. God didn't put the scriptures together necessarily to make us feel really comfortable. In fact, I had a group of men that I was leading. I had the chance to lead most of them to Christ. It was back in Santa Maria, California. And when they would accept Christ, I was teach, teaching them in the book of Matthew, and we were going through the, the Sermon on the Mount. I had these guys, brand new Christians, go, I don't think I can do this. I said, don't worry, you will. The Spirit of God will teach you. But yes, if you just read the, what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, it's a little jarring at points where you go, oh, are you, are you sure you wanted to say that? <laughs> we'll get into other things in the future that that God goes through with us and things that can be actually shocking to our system. We think we're in line with things. Every once in a while, there's a scripture that grabs you and you go, oh my goodness, I have to learn this. I have to do it. Or we just ignore it. We're really good at it. And the Spirit of God will bring it up a few more times, right? (laughs) But there's things that God may call you to do that are outside of your comfort zone. And you have to be ready to say, yes, Lord. And to get there, it's a process of humility. It's a process of growing humble with God. Dr. Jack Deere, I was listening to him teach one time, and he talked about the progression of humility in the Apostle Paul. He said if you go chronologically through his writings, he goes from saying, "I'm, I'm one of the apostles, to I'm the least of the apostles, to I'm the least of the saints, until he finally says, I am the least of sinners, 
this progression that he goes through, this growing in the Holy Spirit of becoming more and more humble as the Spirit of God works with him and grinds down on our sense of I'm amazing to finally just saying, God, make me the person that you can use. Change me so that when I encounter someone, I can treat them as better than myself. I am the least of sinners. And basically what Paul is saying, I am the worst of sinners. And if you've read about him in the scriptures, you know probably what comes to his brain is standing there, his cloaks are laid at his feet, and he has Stephen killed. And probably having to remember this, saying, I'm the least of sinners. I'm the worst of them. And that God would save him and speak his name and call him close. But why is it important to learn this about humility and being humble? Well, it has to do with the next part of verse 5. It says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Think about that. God resists the proud. And by the way, it's not the only time in Scripture it appears. It happens also in James, and it also happens in Proverbs. It comes from the Old Testament and is repeated twice in the New Testament. So when God repeats things, he's wanting us to get it. How many of you have had recurring dreams? You go, I, I had that dream before. Why do I keep having that dream? God's going, you haven't gotten it yet. We'll just keep working it over till you get it. And so, same thing. There's, there's a few items in the Scriptures that God will repeat over and over and over, and it's so that we get it. So we finally come to terms. And, and this is one of those things. God resists the proud. Think about that. God resists the proud. Now, if, if what's going through your head is, that's right, and that world out there is so full of pride, they just don't get This is a message to the church. God resists the proud. Ever felt like you can't make progress? Like you're meeting resistance? Okay, there's two things you can do at that point. One is you can bind the enemy and say, get behind me, Satan. And if nothing happens when you do that, it's time for an attitudinal check. Because maybe it's God. You know, you're trying to get somewhere and you just feel like there's just pressure on you as you're trying to move forward. And it could be God saying, I'm going to hold you right here until you get some things. I'm going to make you humble. Because I will resist you. God can put up a wall. He can put up a speed bump. He can do all these type of things to get our attention. So like I said, you, you kind of have to weigh it out and go, oh, wait, wait. Is this the enemy resisting me? Or, and you need to get to the point where you say, maybe it's God. And if it's God, the problem isn't God. God, get behind me. Do not ever pray that prayer, okay? <laughs> Don't ever say, God, get behind me. The discipline lessons begin right away. Right? I mean, it's like all the other things you have to learn from the Spirit of God, like, like the nine fruit of the Spirit. How many of you are still in the patience lesson? And when God puts you in the patience lessons, you ever notice, like, first thing he does, he puts cars right in front of you that just won't get out of the way, and you're like, oh, I can't take this. And God's going, yeah, I've got, like, a hundred other cars I can pull in. <laughs> you're going to get it. You're going to understand it. It's like the love lessons. When God starts putting people in your life that are hard to love, you know, when Jesus commands that we love one another, do you think it's just going to come naturally? No. If he has to command it, it means we don't always get it. So yeah, and then all of a sudden he puts people in your life and you're like, that person is so hard to love. Oh my goodness, he's going, right. And I've got a hundred more of those too. 
We'll get there. You'll learn it. And same thing with this. God may be giving you resistance. And you need to have a conversation with him. Not, oh God, what are you doing? It's, oh Lord, why am I meeting resistance and is it me? Am I in the way? Am I actually my own worst enemy? And I'm causing my own problems here? The second part of this is that God gives grace to the humble. So God opposes the proud and then he gives grace to the humble. Fabulous. Grace is from uh, a really wonderful word, charis, meaning favor or unmerited favor. Yes, this is true. You can't earn grace. No matter how hard you work at it, just like God's mercy. I heard a person speaking one time saying, well, you just need to call in the mercy that God owes you. God never owes you mercy, okay? He gives it. He gives grace, but he never owes it to me. I can't go before God and say, God, you owe me grace. He'll go, okay, Tom, we need to work on this. But if you're like me, you might say, so what is unmerited favor? It's kind of one of those terms where you get those answers like, why was Jesus baptized? And the question you should quickly hear is, to fulfill all righteousness, because that's what Jesus said. There's actually a deeper meaning to that. You have to go back into the Old Testament and study the the fulfilling of righteousness, which is keeping the law. Another sermon. But here, unmerited favors, to me, it's kind of the same thing. I've always heard that answer going, oh, grace is unmerited favor. So I'm going to give you the Tom Pittman, Pastor Tom, definition of grace. It is unmerited, and it is favor, but even more so, it's an empowering from God. When God gives you grace, there's an empowering that he puts inside of you, and and the Spirit of God begins to work inside of you and, and help you along. There's a connection between grace and power. Think about what, this, what God said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So there's always this relationship between grace and power and the empowering that comes with grace. And I want to take you to a really cool thing. Would you give me the image, please? And I want to show you a word study here. So right in the middle, you see charis. That's the word for grace. Below that is Cairo. It can also be kara, depending on when you're doing your word studies. That means joy. That's the root word of grace, is joy. Do you understand that it's God's joy to give you grace? And then grace turns into charisma or charismata. Charisma means gift, and charismata means gifts. It's plural. The gifts come out of grace. When you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, that is God's grace. In other words, it's unmerited. You didn't earn the gifts. You, you don't deserve the gifts. But God loves in his joy to, in grace, give you the gifts. And so when you operate in the gifts, you're operating in the joy of the Lord. If you're ever finding yourself operating in the gifts and there's like a kind of an edge inside of you, or an anger, you need to stop and go, God, why am I not feeling your joy right now? Because again, word-wise, when you go through this study, as you see it behind me, it's all connected in the Greek. Again, Cairo, joy of the Lord, from that root word we get charis, grace, and from that we get the gifts, the charisma or the charismata. 
You see, and you charismatics should be filled with joy because you've got God's grace in you, and as well as any other Christian. I need to say this clearly. There are no second-class Christians. If you've seen other people operating the gifts, you're like, doesn't God want to use it? Yes, he does. He has timing to things. There is no such thing as a first-class Christian and a second-class Christian. All of our brothers and sisters throughout the world are not second-class Christians. They are first-class Christians. We're all together in this. We are loved by God. We're part of the kingdom. We're part of his family, okay? So that's part of also being able to be submissive to one another and love one another. Keep these things inside your heart. I want to show you four things that grace does in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Paul writes this. If you want to turn to it, fine. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, Paul wrote, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who also confirm, will, will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So here are the four things. One, it said you were enriched, right? So through grace, through this empowering, God enriches you. He teaches you, right? The Spirit of God comes to teach us all things. Second is that the testimony of Christ is confirmed in you. By the way, these are not in a linear order where number one has to come to number two. To me, the the testimony of Christ confirmed in you is you were saved. The testimony of Christ came into your heart. There's a member of our presbytery, uh, actually back when it was the presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic, who had a dream, and in the dream he was dead. And he, he, it's just like you'd see like either EMTs arrive or in an ER room, two plates, he saw two hands come down with plates go right on his chest, and boom, all of a sudden he came to life. And he was asking, what's this about? And he knew that what it was. He said, before I was in Christ, I was dead spiritually. And God has to put the plates on you and boom, give you a heartbeat, right? And then you can begin to walk in faith. You can begin to move with God. So that, that comes by grace. In fact, what's Ephesians 2.8 say? For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Third, he says you're to come short in no gift. In other words, in no charisma. The church is supposed to be functioning in all the gifts till the revealing of Jesus Christ, which is his second coming. So he says this is the third thing grace does in us. All the gifts functioning. We'll get into, we've got lots of time to study the gifts together. I know you've studied the gifts I won't go to it right now. And then number four is, you'll be confirmed to the end, presented blameless. Have you ever sat there and thought, me, really? (laughs) I'm going to show up on Judgment Day and I'm going to be presented blameless? Not because of who I am, but because of who he is and what he's done. I am covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know my sins. Like David says, my sins are ever before me. Satan loves to remind me of every single way I've messed up. And that's when you just have to say, thank you. Now I remember what God's done for me. Really cool. He's awesome. 
So we're dealing with a kingdom principle here when it says that God opposes the proud and the arrogant, and he gives grace to the humble and empowers them. Think about the ways of God. I mean, just to learn his ways, as I mentioned a moment ago about how he teaches us. David wrote, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. You read that scripture before? There's one that goes with that. If you've ever asked God for that, like, show me your way as God. Teach me your paths. I want to do this with you. There's a scripture that goes with it. Psalm 25, 9, it says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Why? Because if you're not humble, you're not teachable. And God's going, well, wait. I've got eternity. He'll just wait for you. And then he'll work on you and get you to the point where you're humble and you can actually learn his ways. Learning his ways isn't, God, I'll figure it all out and then I'll tell you what it is when I figure it out. God's going, no, 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 I'll, I'll show you my ways. But as David says, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. When I think of someone who knew the ways of God, I think of Moses, actually. All right, I like participation when I preach. Tell me, and I, you know, again, remember, right ear can hear, left ear struggles. So, Tell me some of the miracles that God did through Moses. All, right, all at once, that was good. So, one of them. Yes, what else? So we got the, we get water from rock. We get the parting of the Red Sea. We get the plagues, right? God uses Moses to institute those. And if you read through that, you'll see over and over again, God moving with power with Moses, Right? Why did God call Moses? I'm going to tell you my opinion on this, why God called Moses. Because if you go back to the burning bush, you know Moses, he actually gives God some really good reasons why he's not the guy for the job, right? I mean, here you are, you're in front of a burning bush. The bush is burning, you're hearing the voice of God, and you, and you actually have the strength inside of your heart to go, you know, I'm probably not the person for this. I tried to do that at the presbytery level too. Chair of the ministry, okay, I'm probably not the person for that. Anyway, I mean, you know, he said that, right? He said, I can't even speak. We know that he actually had a, a speech impediment. I mean, one of my favorite comments, you'll probably hear this one again, was from a prophetic minister that said, God is the most confident being you'll ever meet. Who else sends an old man with a stick and a stutter to Egypt to go free his people? <laughs> he doesn't send an army. He sends Moses. And Moses doesn't want the job. I'm not the guy. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, God didn't read Moses' resume and go, this guy's perfect. Now, even though he, okay, he was a prince in Egypt, but the guy's on the run, right? He's on the lamb. By the way, God is never impressed with anyone's resume. In fact, when you read the New Testament, you'll, you'll see where the Pharisees figured out, and I believe they're the ones that make the statement, you're no respecter of people, Jesus. Ding, 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 ding. Right answer, guys. <laughs> you just got it. Jesus is no respecter of people. So, likewise, God doesn't respect resumes. He doesn't call you to do anything because of your resume. He doesn't say, oh my goodness, I'm so impressed. Did you see the school this person went to? And did you see what they did for a job? This is the person. God doesn't call us and use us for what we can do. God calls us for what he will do through us. 
Again, why did God call Moses? The answer for me is found in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. It says, Now the man Moses is very humble, more than all men who are on the face of the earth. That's the answer. This is why I think God chose Moses. So, moving on, verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. If you walk in pride, God will humble you. If you're arrogant, God will solve that. If you are humble, God will lift you up. And when it says in due time, that means in God time. At an opportune time for God, a Kairos time, God will lift you up. In application then, let's finish with this. Do you want more grace from God? Do you want God to move in power with you? Do you want God to move in power in this church to minister to the people of this area? Good answers. The first ingredient is humility. Become humble before the living God. Will we see the people of this area as better than ourselves? When people interact with people from, believers from Kempsville Presbyterian Church, will they go, oh my goodness, they're some of the most humble people. I'm going to tell you this right now. 30 years of pastoral ministry, I've come to the conclusion that God's favorite people are very humble and very kind. Five years of being the chair of the ministerial committee, I'm totally confirmed that thought. God loves very humble, very kind people. Will we say yes to what God wants to do? Not come up with our own plan and say God has to bless it. Will we listen to him and say, God, we want to do what you want to do. And by the way, there may be school attached to that. And we say, God, then train us, teach us. But the first ingredient, again, is humility. Will we be humble? When we interact with people in Virginia Beach and Norfolk and in Suffolk and in, in Chesapeake, will we be some of the most humble people they've ever met? Diana, you want to come join me up here real quick? I, she's not prepared for this. Do you want to pray with me a blessing over our brothers and sisters here at Kempsville? Sure. I'll start if you'll end. Okay. okay. And microphone's right here between us. <laughs> Lord God, we pray for our brothers and sisters here that we are now part of this family. And we ask, Lord God, that you will pour humility into our hearts and grace into us this empowering for the gifts and for strength for ministering in this community. Lord God, would you pour your spirit upon us, please, and take us into this new future that you have for us. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Yes. Lord God, I pray for your favor, and I pray for your joy. And Lord, I pray that you will be present with us, and that it will be by your power and by your strength that anything um, is forwarded in your kingdom. We just pray for your humility and your kindness in our lives, our hearts, our minds. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Go and be blessed, and let's get started. Amen and amen.